I think we'll, we'll kick it off since now is when class begins. So first of all, a little bit of housekeeping. Publius, thank you for being here for this, this call. I think everybody has a little bit of an idea of how we're going to structure this. But just for context, in some of the early Discord communities like Ohm, uh, you know, people like Zeus, the founder of Ohm, would come in and kind of educate people in the community to, to basically help answer new questions and kind of become experts on the protocol. That is the idea of the scholars call. And that's kind of what we want to do with Beanstalk. So if you're in the audience right now and you're listening in, this is going to be kind of a little bit more of an advanced call than the AMA. Don't be, don't feel afraid to ask beginner questions, but we want to, you know, we want to answer, you know, high level questions and kind of dig into details on the protocol. And then people who kind of show their competence and interest and curiosity in Beanstalk will make you Bean Scholars, which is, uh, you know, something we can do uh, in this Discord. And, you know, hopefully you can help answer questions of new people who, you know, who are new to the community and have questions. So that's kind of the context behind the AMA. Um, the other just quick update I'll say is that, you know, you may have seen this in the announcements, but, but we put out a, uh, a bunch of new content that we want to use to promote Beanstalk. So I'll drop a link in the discussion board as well. But if you listen to this call and you learn stuff and you want to make blog posts, videos, or tweets about Beanstalk, uh, you can get paid for it. You can get, you know, 500 or 1,000 beans, depending on kind of what you're doing. Uh, as you guys know, you can sow those in like 20x the bean. So it's fun to do uh, that That if that bit passes. I guess it's not a bit, it's a snapshot. If that passes, there'll be a lot of opportunity. So I'll drop a link. Um, but outside of that, um, I th think we'll we'll kind of jump into the into the scholars call. So Publius, thanks so much for being here. Are, are you there? Can you hear us all? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you okay. If anybody in the audience can't hear... Uh, let us know. I just dropped the link to that, um, the snapshot in the, in the discussion board. So I've got a couple questions, but I really want this to be kind of an audience audience focused thing. So you guys, we can, if you raise your hand, we can bring you on stage. You can just ask the question. Um, I'll be taking notes during this as well. So try to keep a record of kind of what's talked about. Um, but I might kick us off with a question that's kind of been on my mind and I've seen it come up in the discord a, a couple times, which is the APY on, on, on putting, you know, beans in the silo. So, you know, how exactly I think does that, you know, LP APY work? You know, why is it kind of going up and down? Will it go to zero over time? Will it continue to go up? Could you just kind of talk a little bit broadly about the APY and siloing? I feel like we've talked a lot about sewing, but that's been an, a question I've seen come up. Sure. So a couple key points, um, and to answer some of your specific questions, the APY uh, as it's currently displayed is based on the seven day, the previous seven days worth of seasons. Um, and so if over the previous week, uh, there have been no beans minted, which would have been the case uh, for short periods of time over the past six weeks during the debt cycle, um, the APY as it's currently constructed would have displayed zero. Um, which obviously wouldn't be accurate. Um, but similarly, during the big pump uh, up to $4, the seven-day APY would have also uh, had an impossibly high number in that case. So uh, one of the reasons we waited to put up the APYs until much more recently is now that the price has reached a more stable place, um, the APYs are going to be at least a little bit more representative of uh, short-term expectations of, uh, you know, inflation uh, in in 
in short. So the APY, just to state it one more time, is based on the, for the silo, the same way that in the field is based on the rate uh, or the amount of beans or, uh, you know, in a basically it's the liquidity weighted uh, average beans minted to the silo every season over the past seven days um, and then weighted to the current amount of liquidity. So a couple other interesting applications of this formula that people might find interesting um, or might be relevant to answer people's questions in the chat is if the liquidity in the pool goes up by 10%, um, APY, which resets or is recalculated at the beginning of every season, should or will go up by 10%. Um, and specifically, in, independent of the change in the actual return, that's because the APY is uh, calculated based on the current amount of liquidity in the liquidity pool. Um, and so a change in the liquidity would have a direct effect on the silo and field APYs. Okay, cool. That makes sense to me. I think the the other thing I'm wondering uh, is, you know, how is that going to kind of move up and down over time? Obviously, you can't predict it exactly because it's sort of, you know, determined by the market, but what should we sort of expect? Um, you know, in some of the conversations with people, they've said, well, won't this just go to zero eventually? Um, so, yeah, could you talk a little bit about the future expectations of that APY? So, it's all about time horizon in this case. Um, there may be short-term periods of time where, again, in the future, the APY is zero during, you know, real seven-day-plus periods of time where the TWAP is always below one. Um, in terms of short-term expectations, as Beanstalk exits the current debt cycle it's in and starts to enter a feedback loops, our expectation is that uh, the beans, the rate of minted beans is going to go up, um, which will likely raise the APYs. Um, but in addition to that, amount of stock um, and the amount of pods that are issued will both probably go up as well. Um, and this will offset varying degrees the APYs. So in the short term, uh, the pod line is probably going to get, once the growth cycle gets underway, uh, if anything, the, the indication that the growth cycle has really gotten started is that a lot of the outstanding soil, would be, the available soil would be eaten up. Uh, so millions of beans would be sowed and the pod line would grow significantly. Um, that would be an indication that there's a lot of demand for the debt that uh, the weather is now too high and the weather can start to come down. Um, and, and both the pod line getting longer and the weather going higher will result in the pod APY coming down. Um, separately, um, the stock increasing will result in a decrease in the silo APY. Our expectation is that uh, the 
change to the silo APY from the increase in beans minted will probably be more than the dilution of the APY based on the increase in stock, at least for the time being. Um, that's a, a total guess. Um, and so the expectation is that the silo APY will start to be more competitive with the pod APY at some point. Um, it, it will be unlikely to cross it, um, but at least it will become somewhat closer. And right now it's like 10x. Okay, cool. That makes sense. And, and I'm going to... If I could... Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. In the very long, like over the course of years, the silo APY will slowly come down to a limit of zero. Um, in a limit of zero, it won't be that there's never a return for being in the silo. That will basically be achieved when that is kind of like what stasis looks like when beans are the ubiquitous stable coin of DeFi. Now there is the, the best thing that can happen to beans is that it's just being used everywhere um, and it's not necessarily all in the silo. We want beans out there being used but as bean stock is growing, is uh, fundamentally you know, the the native interest bearing mechanism, and it will continue to offer very high interest rates for you know for likely years to come. So we're talking about over an incredibly long time horizon. But you know, from a purely theoretical perspective, you would expect it to trend down over time. Um, but again, we're talking over a very long period of time. Great. Um, if people have more questions about kind of, you know, siloing interest rates, you know, raise your hand, drop it in the discussion board. Otherwise, I'm going to kind of move it to a couple different topics. Uh, but like, please feel free to kind of double click, message me, uh, raise your hand, whatever. We'll, we'll bring on stage. Yeah. Um, why, don't we, why don't we just pause for like 30 seconds just in case people want to think of some relevant questions to what was just discussed or any follow ups or you know, things that you can envision, you know, wanting to have asked. Uh, yeah, Dumpling, go ahead. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, yeah. we can. Okay, great. Uh, so, yeah, I've noticed that the, the soil seems like it's kind of chilling around 5 million. And I was wondering if, so could you bring us through an example? Like if, if $5 million uh, immediately sowed right now, would that go down to 0.33 million soil or... I'm just trying, could you kind of give us an idea of sure. how exactly that works? So to answer you directly, if 5 million beans were sown right now, yes, it would go down by 5 million. And if 5 million dollars were sown, that would not be the case because you would have to buy the beans on Uniswap theoretically, um, and you can't buy 5 million beans. $5 million would get you a lot less than 5 million beans. Um, but with all the pods starting to harvest, um, you know, there's a lot of increase in circulating beans. And to some extent, um, that may be reflective of people want, wanting to resell, um, but they may be waiting for the BIP uh, that is coming in the next couple of days, um, which will improve your tax efficiency on that stuff. So there may be a a decent buildup in that case. But um, the idea is that as it becomes evident that Beanstalk is paying off its debt 
which has started to happen over the past two weeks, um, and the sowing beans becomes more attractive, um, the soil will start to go down significantly. The fact that it's hanging out in the 5 million range is evidence that Beanstalk is still spending more time with the TWAP below one than the amount of beans that are being lent to Beanstalk in total, or, you know, as a, as a running average or a running sum. Got it. So we're kind of steady state right now because people, because it's going above and below the peg and spending about equal amounts of time above and below. Um, but if there was a big, exactly. if there was a big influx of bean purchases and bean sows, it would start to go down. Uh, and then potentially leading to a season of plenty if it was above the peg for a certain amount of seasons. With so, soil, could you bring us through season of plenty a little bit too? Yeah. So the fact that there is so much soil makes it such that a season of plenty is not going to happen for a while. Um, basically, it's what the season of plenty uh, happens anytime there's 24 or more consecutive seasons of rain. And rain is basically a, 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 a flag in the system where Beanstalk flags itself and says, you know, I am in a system, I am in a state that's conducive to attracting inorganic demand. And inorganic demand is something that we define as native to stable coins, specifically algo stable coins, which is when the price is greater than one, there's an expectation of inflation. And people might want to game the system to take advantage of that short-term expectation of inflation. And therefore, there is demand for the coin that drives the price up because of the peg. That creates more demand, which drives the price further up, which creates more demand, and so on and so forth. And so, in practice, Beanstalk has to solve that uh, solve for inorganic demand. So, when currently, like right now, there's a lot of debt, um, Beanstalk is not in a state where it cares about inorganic demand. If you want to buy beans and deposit them, or buy them and sow them, uh, given that we're currently at equilibrium. In stock is happy. Sorry, my microphone is going in and out. Can you guys hear me? Yep, we can. Where, where did you guys lose me? Sorry. Just, just right at the end. Yeah, you said in general when there's not a lot of debt. So, sorry about that. So, when there's not a lot of debt, that inorganic demand becomes particularly um, attractive because there's no longer going to be beans paid out pod harvest. And so Beanstalk basically has a variable where it says, I, you know, Beanstalk, the, the system may be close to attracting inorganic demand. So it says, I, you know, it is raining. So if there is a state, and so when it's raining, that means that the price, the TWAP, over the previous season was greater than one, and the debt level 
um, is excessively low, which currently is defined as less than 5%. So high price, low debt. Um, and so when it's raining, high price, low debt, 24 seasons, uh, there is a season of plenty. And so the season of plenty is the way for Beanstalk to counteract um, inorganic demand. And if, if there is a season of plenty, what happens is Beanstalk mints extra beans in addition to what it was normally going to mint. It sells those beans directly on Uniswap. And it then distributes the Ethereum proceeds from that sale as a dividend to the uh, stockholders before it started to rain. And so because, uh, because the Ethereum is distributed to the stockholders before it started to rain, um, there's very little incentive to buy beans over a dollar when it's raining. So again, because um, all of the Ethereum's dividends from the sale are distributed to the stockholders before it started to rain, um, once it's raining, there's very little incentive to buy beans uh, inorganically. The only reason to buy beans is if you're in it for the long haul. Um, and in that case, Beanstalk is happy for you to buy beans you know, at any price. Sorry, I fell off this page there, but that 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 explains it. That really helps. Um, yeah, I'll let someone else uh, go come with a question. Pulis, I was just going to say it's also worth noting. I mean, if I'm correct, that's exactly what happened during the last kind of pumping up. What you just described with uh, the season of plenty, right? Correct, and that's one of the reasons why there was such a large outflow of capital immediately after um, the. I mean, there was really two series of season of plenties over the course of two or three days. Um, and the people basically realized that, you know, the apes realized that there was not a lot of returns for pumping beanstalk because it had already started to rain. Um, and this may be a good segue into another discussion. Um, the distribution of stock and seeds um, makes it so that immediately depositing your assets into the silo doesn't earn you um, as high of a rate as people that have already been deposited in the silo. And so the people that are getting in during a season of plenty are at a real disadvantage and they immediately left the system and that caused the big dump. So you may say, well, what's there to prevent that you know, what's there in place to prevent that from happening again. Um, it's important to highlight that there were no pods upstanding at the start of that big pump. So Beanstalk had just paid off a lot of its pods and it just attracted a decent amount of new capital. Um, and then it went kind of viral on crypto Twitter. Um, and we still don't know how, but uh, that caused the big pump. 
And because there were no pods, there was no, you know, there was no liquidity that was coming loose. All of the beans got deposited in the silo, and therefore none of them could be sold. And the result was that the price just kept going up and up. So now the fact that there is such a high level of debt um, means that that's very uh, unlikely to happen again. And just to go back 5 million soil, the weather is basically causing a 20x increase on pods per bean sown. Um, we're talking about another 100 million plus pods being added to the line um, at least over the next couple of months. Okay, if, if people have questions about that, just again, feel free to raise your hand. Uh, we'll, we'll bring up on stage. Um, I think uh, it's, you know, kind of, kind of relatedly, there's been, you know, a lot of questions about kind of stock and seeds. I know you're kind of tying on that there. And we did talk about this in the AMA yesterday. Um, but, you know, there was a question, you know, people were talking about, you know, why would future growth expectations of bean stock affect stock prices? I think you made a comment that, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the stock would kind of come to re reflect those future expectations. Could you talk a little bit about stock, you know, why that might be true? And, uh, you know, will stock offer anything other than a set rate of the bean generation? Um, maybe just, just give a little bit of an overview of, of how that's going to work, especially with tradable stock coming online soon. So it's hard to predict exactly how the price of stock will trade. Um, it's a question that's deeply interrelated to how the price of seeds will trade. Um, so let's let's consider them together. Um, one seed basically yields um, one stock roughly over the course of every month. Um, and so uh, over two months it yields two stock and so on and so forth. And so, when you think about the price of a stock um, and what it what it represents, it represents a certain amount of uh, perpetual uh, yield uh, on the future uh, growth of bean stock. So for every bean minted, a half of all the bean mints are distributed to stockholders. And so one stock is uh, you know, based on the total amount of outstanding stock, basically represents a in perpetuity a percentage of future bean mints. Now, the price of a stock should factor in the dilution of stock over time, being the increase in bean mints also almost certainly corresponds to, to some extent, the increase in stock as deposits to the silo increase. And so it's not it's not exactly uh, apparent what is the right way to make that estimation. But when it comes to 
how how those might be priced to some extent. Um, if the price of one one bean, excuse me, one stock and two seeds is greater than one bean, um, or really what it would be is one stock and four seeds, um, because you would have to factor in the LP. Um, if the price of one stock and four seeds was greater than one bean, um, there's an arbitrage opportunity where you deposit the beans as LP, you sell, you sell the stock and seeds for more than $1, and now you've made money. And so that arbitrage should naturally keep the price of uh, stock and seeds at, at a maximum of one bean equals one stock and four seeds. And four seeds yield four stock in one month. Um, so one stock in about a week. So based on that, you would likely expect seeds to be more valuable than stock, or at least the four seeds that you get would be more valuable than one stock. Um, and it remains to be seen how one stock would trade against one seed exactly. But to answer your question about why the change in price of stock or seeds might reflect uh, or might be a reflection of future expectations of uh, man for beans is because stock is a better asset to own if you think that there is going to be near-term bean inflation, and seeds are a better asset to own, think that there's going to be inflation in the longer term. And on the other hand, neither asset is a good asset to own if you think that there's not going to be inflation in the long or short term. And so therefore, if people don't expect there to be um, if people don't expect there to be uh, inflation at all, you would expect them to sell their, their stock and seeds. So the stock and seeds is going to be a reflection of the prices specifically should be a reflection of uh, future expectations of growth of bean stock. Um, and just to clarify, I think I made a mistake. Uh, it's a hundred days for four seeds to generate one stock, not forty days. Uh, I apologize, my napkin math uh, while I'm speaking was a little bit uh, off today. If I can jump in, jump in here with a question, uh, Publius. So another question I've been seeing pop up in the Discord has been. Um, what the weather and the weather kind of continually increasing as as you know demand for beans has seemed to be pretty steady and and to, you know we've been keeping going above and below the peg i was wondering is this ever uh, you know i know that there was um uh you know a bip maybe to to lower the weather a little bit but can you talk a little bit about the weather um and i guess a concern that that i would have is that the weather would get too high and then you know, the bean, the, the pod line would get super long. 
uh, in proportion to sows. So I just wanted to, can you talk about the interplay a little bit there between the weather, sows, and the pod line? Definitely. So in general, you're totally right. The weather getting too high is a bad thing for beanstalk and poses a risk. And in general, beanstalk wants to pay on average the lowest weather that it can pay um, while keeping beanstalk at its pay. Um, but at a macro level, beanstalk doesn't just want the price to be at a dollar, it wants the price to be at a dollar and the debt to be at um, optimal, uh, optimal. Uh, it wants the system to be at optimal equilibrium, which is the debt being at 15% as it's currently defined. And so counterintuitively, in order to get the debt to go down, it needs to raise the weather, which makes the pod line increase faster, which makes the debt level go higher in the short term, it needs to continue to raise the weather until, as we just said earlier, all of the soil is really eaten up. And once the soil is eaten up, that is an indication that we are now in a growth cycle and that the weather can start to come down significantly. And specifically, the way that the system facilitates that is, in that case, it still issues a small amount of soil every season. Currently, the minimum soil rate is 0.1% of the system, uh, of the total bean supply. And uh, accordingly, it can measure the demand for soil each season. And if there is increasing demand for soil, and there's very little soil, so that may happen a lot, um, once the soil market becomes competitive, uh, in, in the instance where there's very limited soil, um, you would expect there to be a lot of seasons where demand for soil is increasing, and therefore the and those that is when the system starts to lower the weather. Now, specifically, currently the weather is particularly high, and in general necessarily expect the weather to get up into the things. Um, but because of the extent of the, um, the scale of the growth in the medical, um over the past two months, um, And the change is for Beanstalk to official weather. And so currently it seems like it's doing a pretty good job. But as we said, in order to get to whatever that optimal weather is where all of the available soil will start to be eaten up, it may need to keep raising the weather. And, and is going to propose a BIP, which has uh, changes to the uh, 
you know, under the hood to the code to make Beanstalk more efficient um, for people that resow um, or, you know, move assets around within Beanstalk in varying capacities, which we'll detail in the BIP, um, and also makes small uh, or slight alterations to the weather changes, um, specifically in the cases where the debt uh, is excessively high or high, uh, so greater than ideal, uh, so greater than 15%, um, and which is now, and the price is greater than one, um, so that the system is slightly more aggressive low weather. And the general the general thought behind that is currently in stock is demonstrating utility. And frankly the best way for it to attract more sowers at this point in time is not raising the weather, but instead just keeping beans at a dollar. And so changing the weather changes to be a little bit more neutral um, so that the weather will at least stay flat um, if it alternates evenly since above and below one more or less, it's a little more complicated. Generally, you think that makes sense in the short term, demonstrated uh, an ability to attract creditors, but there's nothing wrong theoretically with it being a little bit more aggressive when lowering the weather, although um, this is something that we could also change back in the future. Uh, that is sort of the beauty of the way that the weather changes have been implemented and expensive to modify. Okay. Yeah, I, I think when I see the weather rising by like 10, you know, 10% a day, I think, Okay, if the weather gets to, you know, OHM style percentages, like 8,000 or something, we might have a problem here. But the fact that there's a plan and it can be adjusted and it will be adjusted as we get more sowers and the soil gets eat up, that seems to make sense to me. Well, and re it being a problem, it's not a problem for two reasons. Uh, one is Beanstalk issues debt on a continuous basis. So if you lend out, you know, if you lend a thousand beans to Beanstalk, get back 20,000 pods, next person has to lend Beanstalk at basically $40,000 higher of a valuation or 40,000 bean mint later. That's 20,000 more in the pod line times two. And so at scale, there is like these little, these stairs that Beanstalk has, has to climb every time to attract the next lender, like the next marginal lender. In general, there isn't like a huge bump, you know, between lender to lender in the grand scheme of things. And so it doesn't really matter how high the weather gets um, at this order of magnitude, because the jump in the stair is still not that bad. At 8,000, you're totally right, it becomes tougher and tougher to attract um, capital. Now, the second part of it is uh, the more debt that it issues, Beanstalk issues, the smoother the ride up is as it grows. 
like we said, the price will rise less, um, but it will also, um, you know, be much more sustainable in how it rises. So there's nothing fundamentally wrong with higher debt. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does for sure. No, and uh, the reason we haven't pushed the weather tip yet, just for reference, uh, is we did want to loop it together with the tax efficiency BIP just so that people don't have to vote twice because um, we're aware of the voting fees. And frankly, we don't view the high weather as a particularly large issue. So we're taking our time to get the, you know, the tax efficiency stuff done properly, which requires a lot of testing under the hood, um, you know, all that under the hood stuff, we wanna make sure uh, we don't break anything while we're making it work in a more efficient way from a tax perspective. Um, so, it, you know, we weren't in a big rush to get the weather changes out. Um, so that's just a little additional color. Got it. Um, so yeah, if anyone else has uh, questions, we can, uh, open this up or Bean Merchant, I'll let you, uh, let you take it from here. Yeah, if anybody else would like to raise their hand, we'll uh, bring you on stage. Or if you want to just ask a question in discussion board, um, I can ask it. One uh, one question then uh, that I think would be useful to talk a little bit about is just thinking about protocol health. That's been some of the most interesting discussions on the AMAs we've had is when you know you just kind of give an update on that kind of health of the protocol. Uh, for the people who want to become you know bean scholars, I think it would be good for them to have some ideas of kind of the numbers to look at, the heuristics to be aware of as they just think about kind of health of the protocol. Maybe the specific question here is, you've mentioned we're in a debt cycle, and at some point, this will kind of flip into a credit cycle. What should we be watching for to know when that's happening or has happened, and just thinking about protocol health more broadly? So maybe if we just kind of go to the website, um, I'll give everyone like 10 seconds to go over to the website. Um, you can just run through a couple things. So in the silo, currently you just have the two APYs, um, which are reflective again of the inflation of beans over the past seven days um, in the pool. Um, if we go down to the field, Available, available soil. Um, that is like we just highlighted something to watch. Um, the odd line is also something to watch, even though you know the available soil has remained pretty high. Uh, the pod line uh, has continued to grow, which is an indication that beanstalk is, you know, in some sort of stable state, but not in a growth cycle. Um, and the weather is the weather. The pods harvested, that's a great uh, statistic to look at to understand uh, how much 
of the pod line in stock has been churning through either recently, if you're keeping some sort of mental reference, um, or just in total. Um, and pod APY is probably best to compare to the weather um, to understand whether the APY is higher than or lower than uh, a year. You know, whether the seasons to pod clearance is greater than or less than a year, basically, uh, will determine whether the weather uh, is higher or lower than pod APY. Um, and if we go to the current bean price, uh, or sorry, trade, time since dollar crossed, that's not particularly useful. Um, in the near future, we might add uh, you know, some sort of average times, you know, number of times crossed uh, per season over the past seven days or times crossed over the past seven days or stuff like that. Um, as the second, you know, the bean token subgraph gets deployed, um, now that the Beanstalk smart contract, uh, that subgraph has been deployed uh, as the bean smart contract token contract, that subgraph is deployed. Um, we'll be able to add some more data on that front. Um, if you go down to uh, the balances, the pool value is one to always look at. Um, and deposited LP is a good value to look at. Um, that's an indication of the, you know, the, the diversification or the addition or subtraction of LP from the silo. Um, for example, that at least recently peaked at 2.71, um, 0.271. And then there was that massive LP withdrawal, which caused that uh, dip to 90 cents or so about a week ago. That brought the deposited LP down to like 0.24 um, because they withdrew over 10% of the LP. Um, and it's been great to see it steadily climb back up since then. Um, in addition, always good to look at the withdrawn beans, the withdrawn LP. If you hover over withdrawn LP, you can see the beans withdrawn. Um, and the sum of the withdrawn beans and the withdrawn beans under the LP is always a good indication of uh, short-term sell pressure. Um, so in general, if beans are around a dollar. Um, that is evidence of some sort of debris. And so the withdrawals are evidence of short-term sell pressure you can have. And the fact that the withdrawals have been coming down um, is evidence that there's not a lot of sell pressure at or below a dollar except for withdrawals. Um, this is all relevant stuff. Um, we'll refrain from walking through all of the, you know, all the charts unless you think that's meaningful. Um, if we go down to the seasons uh, section of the analytics, the New beans, new soil, um, that's pretty simple. 
weather forecast, you know, just a state that is uh, based on the time-weighted average price of this season and the, the amount of liquidity in the pool. So when the price is greater than one, um, you're going to have new beans. And when the TWAP is less than one, you're going to have new soil. Um, and if there was no soil left, uh, even if the TWAP is greater than one, uh, there would be soil and new beans. Uh, so there can be both. Um, the weather forecast uh, is based on current season information right below it. It's on the price, the pod rate, and the delta demand. Uh, and those are, you know, if you're interested in more, more info on that uh, and really understanding those three at a point and what they mean, uh, you should check out the white paper. Um, but in short, the price is the TWAP for this season. The pod rate is the debt level defined as the total amount of outstanding pods divided by the total bean supply. If you walk totals, you could look at in the circle, um, there's 23.01 million beans. And then in the bottom, second from the right, pods, there's 41 point eight six million pods. Divided by 23.01 is your pod. Um, delta demand is the demand, the, basically the zones of the demand soil. This season divided by the demand for soil last season. So right now it says infinity. Uh, that's because there was no. Uh, Sown beans and their hand sown beans, um, but that is that is how that's calculated. So if it's zero, that means there have been no beans sown this season. If it's any number other than infinity or zero, that means there were beans sown both seasons. And if it's one hundred percent, that means that it's the same amount of beans were sown last season and this season. Um, Bips are pretty self-explanatory. Um, was that helpful? Yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, I was taking notes and I'll try to put some of that up, but that was really useful. Does anybody have a specific question about something on the website we, we didn't talk about? Um, oh, it looks like Cole has a question. Okay. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me, guys? Hey, Cole, we can hear you. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, Publius, can you talk a little bit about how the overall system will benefit to an increase in market cap, and also, and and more specifically, um, like the speed of the the sewing waiting list? Sure. So the rate of pods harvested is directly correlated to the rate of change of the, not the market cap, but the bean supply. Um, and if you assume beans are worth a dollar, you know, therefore the change in market cap. Um, and the bean, you know, for completion, the bean supply increases 
in response to increases in the market cap. So you do have a feedback loop there. But the idea is the faster the market cap increases, um, more demand there is for beans, the faster Beanstalk will pay off debt. Right. Uh, Merchant, if you could just uh, mute uh, your, yourself. That help, Cole? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. Sorry about that. Yeah, I was, was taking notes. Uh, good question, Cole. I guess still kind of going back a little bit to the, the website or health of the protocol, does anyone have specific questions around something on the website? Um, and apologies for my typing there. I was just taking notes and I, I didn't mute myself. But um, raise your hand if you have a question. If not, uh, my question would be, can you say a little bit more about the debt cycle and the credit cycle and maybe indicators to watch to be aware that that kind of flippening is happening? So the best indicator is going to be the available soil. When the available soil hits zero, you're officially in a, a growth cycle. Now, we haven't used the term credit cycle. Um, InStock is a credit-based stablecoin. Um, credit cycle. If we were going to define that term, we will probably wouldn't define the term. But if you think about being stuck in a positive feedback loop and a negative feedback loop state where um, the network effects of price being above one or below one um, create positive and negative feedback loops. Um, during a, a large debt cycle, there's a large negative feedback loop. Um, recently, Beanstalk has shifted to a, a positive, or at least there have been signs that the negative feedback loop has really ended. Um, and so the signs that we would look at to make that statement are that the sellers below a dollar are basically exhausted. So the price, um, it's slightly affected by the existence of you know, the Uniswap AMM model. In general, the prices at or above a dollar recently, um, that is reflective of an absence of sellers below a dollar. Um, and so that is probably the foremost indication that the debt cycle is the, the, the negative feedback loop is nearing its end, is that there's not a lot of sellers below a dollar if you don't have sellers below a dollar, and the price is always going to be at or above a dollar or close to that, um, the exception of ETH volatility, and that is conducive to starting a growth cycle. And so that is what we, to some extent, have started to see over the past week or so. The APYs have come up. Um, that's reflective of the fact that the price has been above one more than it's been below one. And as that continues, the APYs are going to keep going up potentially, um, or at least staying closer to where they are now potentially. And that may attract more demand for uh, soil and for deposits. And both of those 
translate to more beans being minted, which will increase APYs, which will translate to more beans being minted, which will you know, start a growth cycle at some point in theory. So uh, if no one else has a question, I have a question. Um, I think Beans about... think, uh, think has a question. Oh, Beans? Oh, I'll let, I'll let them go because I've been talking a lot. Hey there. was wondering if we could talk through the auditing plan. Oh, we love that question. So we've, the, the pipeline is we've had a really hard time finding an auditor that we feel is of sufficient quality or it's a meaningful expense. Um, first, being stuck, it's a diamond. There aren't a ton of auditors that have, a, have audited a diamond. And in general, there's a limited number of auditors for you know, EVM smart contracts at the moment. And we're just, um, you know, we're having conversations with various auditing firms. You know, we have another one tomorrow morning. But in general, we've been pretty disappointed with the quality of the auditing firms we've been in contact with thus far. And Therefore, we haven't committed uh, or, or um, even thought about committing Peanstock to a specific audit firm or auditor. Um, and so maybe we would just use this opportunity uh, to, to ask if any of you have ins at um, Quantstamp or Open Zeppelin, you know, Certic. Uh, We would greatly appreciate any connections at any of those or any other higher quality auditors that um, you know might be interested in working with Beanstalk. Um, but thus far, we've been pretty unsuccessful. Got it. Thanks. And then also, could you talk through the plans for the NFTs, the voting, and whatnot? So there's a lot that can be done with the BNFTs. Um, currently, nothing is being done. Um, we just heard from a community member that might be interested in being like NFT community coordinator that is focused on developing utility for the NFTs and building a community and sort of figuring out a lot of the details and maybe organizing a V2 or a holiday edition and things like that. Um, and that's pretty cool. Um, to some extent, we want that and the BNFTs to be something that is fun for the community to work on. And, you know, we're not devoting a lot of our attention to it at the moment, although we'll obviously dedicate necessary attention to get it off the ground uh, as it sort of naturally starts to happen. 
um, and the evidence that a community member is interested in leading that you know, is a good sign that that might get started sooner rather than later. Um, but we're you know, we're going to let that happen more organically uh, at this point in time. Got it. Thanks. Hey, how's it going? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, going. Uh, yeah. Hey, what's going on? Um, sorry for any uh, any background noise. I'm just outside. But quick question, just on the on the voting element. This is really more from the perspective of being operating as a as a DAO. And and honestly, this question just comes from a question that I've been getting asked. You know, as I'm pitching the the product to folks. With regards to the voting, and Publius, we, we had a little bit of this in the AMA when people talked about how decentralized is the protocol, really. With the voting mechanism, obviously folks that have Beanstalk can participate in the voting of the BIPs. The Publius function in general, what percentage or, or I guess the question would be like, can Publius as a function move or potentially you know, vote such that they can pass any BIP if they wanted to? Yeah, so to restate what we said in the AMA, currently the deployer address, which is Publius's wallet, um, has arbitrary um, ability to manipulate, you know, and change and modify the Beanstalk contract. Um, obviously, uh, Publius, our focus is on getting Beanstalk in a position, A, where that is not necessary, um, and B, where it is successful. Um, so even today, if the community and the DAO wanted to, it could revoke uh, any or all of those arbitrary powers. Um, and at some point in the future, we intend to propose a BIP to remove all of those arbitrary powers. Um, but for the time being, uh, you know, Publius has specifically two separate abilities. One is to pause being stock arbitrarily, um, which would just stop the sunrise function from being able to be called in the case of certain vulnerabilities, then in general, Publius can also uh, modify the Beanstalk Diamond. Um, so any portion of the Beanstalk contract, um, you know, if necessary. But in general, um, the conduct, uh, you know, we've, we've had thus far to set precedent is that the only times we've used, you know, emergency powers, if you will, uh, is in the cases where there have been uh, bugs in the in the beanstalk contract, uh, meaning that beans were not being allocated properly, um, you've never used those arbitrary powers to modify beanstalk um, 
as it's described in the white paper. And we have never used arbitrary powers to modify Beanstalk. We have only ever done it to correct um, minor issues. And it's been uh, at least a month uh, used arbitrary powers and in the instance where there are issues with the contract um, or potential issues with the contract. And, uh, you know, we don't have an expectation that we're going to use that, um, you know, you know, unless, unless, you know, there are issues, but thus far there haven't been any, any time recently. Got it. And, and thank you for that. And in the, and let's just say there are no, structural situations that require the usage of arbitrary powers in the course of normal DAO activities where there are BIPs and are voting on BIPs, like for instance, what's happening now, is it the case that practically speaking, you know, let's just say you guys own 60% of all the stock that the voting on these BIPs is, you know, more of a visual thing than, than a real thing, if, if you get what I mean. Like if you have, you know, for instance, if Zuckerberg has 80% of all voting shares on Facebook, it kind of doesn't matter what all the other shareholders want to do. He can just kind of override anything, even while still doing things that are theoretically DAO friendly. So this is actually a great opportunity to talk about um, how the structure of stock and seeds is dilutive over time. And so even though the incentive structure is such that we're incentivized to get into Beanstalk immediately. Um, the ownership of Beanstalk is, um, becomes more equal over time. And so let's take somebody that has been in the silo for um, five, uh, enough to get five stock for every stock that they started with. And now, uh, there's a new depositor. They have one stock. At the time they have two stock, um, the other person will have six stock on top of their one stock. They go from six total to seven, and the person goes from one to two. So even though they are increasing, they both increase one stock, um, the growth of the smaller stockholder is much higher um, at the beginning and therefore they effectively catch up. So after five seasons, it, they'll have half as much as the, the first uh, stockholder. Uh, after 10, they'll have two thirds. Um, and after a hundred times, um, so after you know months and months, they'll be basically equal. So um, in general, um, you know, the Publius wallet, and you can go check as a very small amount of stock um, I don't check the wallet on a daily basis, frankly, um, but it has like 1% or less of the total stock. Um, so that's not the case that Publius is able to unilaterally modify the contract. And, uh, you know, one thing that's pretty cool is you can go on chain. Uh, the website currently doesn't facilitate it, um, but you can actually look at all the wallets that voted for a, a specific BIP. Um, and perhaps a future version of a subgraph might 
support that easily. Um, but the, the the general general idea is that no one person or no one group or no one entity um, can ever get hold of Beanstalk. And one of our um, commitments to put it, you know, in general, our commitment has been to put Beanstalk in the best position to succeed going forward. And step one of that process was to make sure that Beanstalk wasn't in control of, you know, you know the Beanstalk wasn't in the control of any one individual or group um, or Publius or uh, anyone. So in general, that model is that that ethos is built into Beanstalk, um, and that has been how we've conducted ourselves from launch. Thank you. Very. That's super helpful to know. And you know, this is coming more from the context of just being able to articulate the value proposition of folks. And obviously, you know, in the in the world of crypto, especially when you're talking to folks that are not in these AMAs and listening to all the stuff, you know, risk management becomes you know a big concern. And obviously, we've seen some crazy things happen in the world. So it's super helpful to know. And thanks for the sound bites. You know, we would just say we are happy to provide as much information as we can um, without, you know, blowing our anonymity. Um, and we understand that their launch is a big part of Instar. Our hope is that our our forthrightness and openness, um, you know, helps foster that environment around Beanstalk. Uh, one thing I wanted to uh, jump in and say was, uh, because it's a little bit, and one reason that we're all here in the university is because it's a bit, uh, Beanstalk is a little complicated, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. I was wondering if, if you might walk us through kind of some, maybe a, a, an elevator pitch, or maybe that would be an interesting thing that we could all do as homework, is write up a quick paragraph on, you know, what exactly, you know, what exactly Beanstalk does and how to explain it to other people when kind of onboarding them or explaining it to new people in the Discord or, you know, to our friends in crypto. Um, kind of uh, what IPO and Chill was saying is when he's been having conversations, you know, I think that that has been something that's kind of stumped me a little bit is how do I explain this to people? You know, I can get through the first bit, but you know, anyway, I just wanted to see what you had to say about that. The, the number one is you know, a decentralized deposit account for your US dollars. Like that's the punchline. And it pays right now 170 something percent APY. Um, that's conservative. So that's the big selling point. Um, and then if they're interested in DeFi and what crypto is all about, there's a lot to be said about decentralized nature of Beanstalk and the environment that it can create. So from an individual selling point, you can get really competitive APY on your stable coins. Um, from a, a larger perspective, Beanstalk has the capacity 
is on its way to, even if it's the beginning of its way, um, to totally disrupting DeFi. And what it basically allows for is for people to enter Beanstalk and basically take out of Beanstalk dollars, beans, to use across DeFi um, and having gone through the silo or the field, they will have lowered their cost basis of beans. So you have a low cost basis on your beans and now you can go use them in DeFi. So basically going through Beanstalk is the best way to get cheap dollars to use in DeFi. And the earlier you get in on Beanstalk, the lower your cost basis on your beans will be when you can use your bean stocks, uh, excuse me, you can use your beans everywhere in DeFi. I, mean, I, I could chime in a little bit here just because I have been doing a lot of talking with types of people. You know, I, I would say dumpling, at the end of the day, I think this just comes down to who you're talking to, right? And you have to tailor it in a way that they can understand. And I, I've talked to folks who are, very much already obsessed with DeFi and they're in DeFi. And with them, the conversation is pretty straightforward, right? I mean, if anything, it's almost a little bit harder because they're the ones that will ask specific questions about, you know, how the DAO works and the voting works and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, what, how do you calculate this specific thing on the thing? With the, I, I imagine you're kind of talking more about the folks who are new and may even be generally new to crypto. I think from that perspective, it really comes down to what do they care about and what are their motivations? You know, to Pulis's point, I mean, if these are people that are savers and they're really looking for a new saving mechanism that has meaningful yield and isn't just like, you know, the 4% or the 3% that you get on staking ETH somewhere, then, you know, I would approach it from that angle. And then you can unravel, you know, the weather and, and all this other stuff. If it's folks who are playing with money or I don't want to say playing, but if there are folks that have already done some of the basic things like they bought some of their main crypto investments and now they're looking to explore a little bit and they want to do something that's more meaningful than buying shiba inu you know for them i try to to understand all right well what what do they want to get out of this if they want to if they want a moonshot bet where they want to make a lot of money in a short period of time bean may not be it but there are some things like sewing where you could potentially make a meaningful return and then I spend most of that conversation explaining how sewing works and through the lens of that, you understand kind of how the protocol works. But I, I don't know if a one size fits all approach will work. I mean, granted, I, I think I'll find that out the hard way because I do want to make videos about this that I'll post. But I think in general, the best place to start is whoever it is that you're talking to, try to understand what their main motivations are and then start the conversation there. That is absolutely right. And I think that's what I needed to hear because I've been talking to everyone from total normies who, you know, I've gotten to buy a little bit of Bitcoin and that's it, uh, to very sophisticated DeFi people who are working in other DAOs. And so I think that you're, you're right. You need, to tailor, you need to tailor your elevator pitch to, uh, you know, to who you're talking to. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's a good answer. Yeah, or, or you could always just go with the weather go up, bean price go up approach. <laughs> The, the last thing I'll do here is I'm just going to put in a little plug for the uh, the layer three bounties. Uh, again, if that gets approved, there will be, you know, 500 or 1,000 beans available to people who create educational content. So, you know, IPO and Chill World is going to make videos. Other people can write blog posts. You know, just uh, check those bounties out when they're live. And if you can summarize it and explain it well, you know, we'd love to kind of have you 
create that content and you can get paid for it. So. So, um, thank you to, to Bean Merchant for coordinating this and for, for making the proposal um, to do the layer three bounties. That's really awesome. Uh, we would encourage everyone to go vote on that. Um, and thank you to everyone for hanging out in you know, the inaugural class of Beanstalk Agricultural and Technical University, um, Beanstalk ANTU. Everybody represent, we gotta get some merch. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone that was here, assuming that you guys would like to be scholars, um, and currently scholars are the mods, but we're gonna change that up um, and make the scholars, you know, the class of educators that have taken some classes and can answer some questions for newcomers. Um, you know, everyone that's here that wants to be a scholar um, can just shoot us um, a message, or I actually, I believe Bean Merchant has been keeping track, and uh, everyone that was here can just, will likely be boosted to a scholar in the next day or so. Um, you know, and then the hope is that the scholars will start to uh, answer people's questions in the Discord as they start to come in. Yep, that's right. And if people have uh, questions about that or anything, just uh, shoot me a DM. Um, but that's that all sounds correct. And thank you, Publius, so much for taking the time this evening. This was great. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, everyone enjoy, and we will we will reconvene soon. And maybe the one last thing to leave you guys with is, um, it's it's a request of some sort, uh, which is we are spending 100% of our time on Beanstalk. Um, but our hope is that, especially now that the price is at a dollar and we're fostering a real organic community, we can spend a little bit less time answering questions in real time in the Discord so that we can spend more time doing longer periods of work on Beanstalk. Um, and if you guys are able to start answering questions and sort of dividing the load up amongst all of you, just answering things when you know the answer or you can be helpful, um, that would do a real, uh, that would do us a real service um, and help us a lot um, to feel more comfortable looking away for an hour or two or six. Um, to just get down and dirty with, uh, you know, with a lot of the work that we've got going on, which is extensive and, you know, we're very excited about it, um, but we got to do it. A quick idea for that is maybe you could, um, maybe you could have like set office hours for the day, so to speak, where, you know, you did pop in and answer questions, but then you took basically the rest of the day off. and. There was that expectation where people knew you're not going to answer until you know noon Pacific, noon to one was the only time they could really get you. Then we could let people know in the Discord, oh, they'll answer this tomorrow or they'll answer this in three or four hours, and so you wouldn't have that expectation of always feeling like you needed to get back to people. Yeah, why don't we? That's a great idea. Why don't we start 
we won't define it explicitly, but we'll try to do like one solid session in like a.m. and then one solid session in the evening, sort of like 12 hours apart. So, you know, right now this live chat is going on. You know, we'll probably do sort of one last circle up of any DMs we've got um, and any messages in the chat. And then, you know, in 12 hours or so, maybe we'll do it again um, and start to do some sort of rotation, even if it's not 12 hours. Um, try to do like a twice a day um, and maybe we'll get into a more, more team um, that then you guys can start to advertise when people have questions. Oh, you can pop back in at so-and-so time, if you think that makes sense. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah, totally. Great. Uh, and we appreciate that. And again, our ability to do that will somewhat be influenced by how much people are, are you know, are responding and taking over some of our responsibilities to answer questions. Um, I think Cole has his hand raised. Yeah, thanks. I was going to ask, is there a... Uh, like commonly asked questions, notion doc or something. Cause I suspect as more people um, like newer people come in to the discord, they're going to have a lot of like the similar questions that other people have already asked. Um, and I've kind of found myself in that position too, where I'm almost hesitant, hesitant to ask something if it may have been asked, but I you know, didn't see it, you know, a hundred messages up in the discord. Um, so maybe this is just like a proposal, maybe a notion doc or something with commonly asked questions would be helpful um, to kind of divert people to, especially as they come in. I think a couple of farmers had started to put that together. Um, and then I think the bean merchant also was going to work on that in some capacity. Um, but in general, it would be great to crowdsource this document. Um, we can send, and we will send shortly um, in the discussion board, um, a link to the current um, FAQ doc. I believe it's a Google doc. And we would encourage you guys to go nuts on it. Yeah, I just dropped a link to a kind of unofficial FAQ that I did, but I think doing a collaborative one is a great idea. And so let's definitely get the scholars going on that. It can kind of be the, the homework assignment uh, after class one. Um, this is super exciting for us guys. I mean, to have so many people hanging out and interested and curious, uh, we feel like there's a real organic community getting started here, and we are committed to you guys to, you know, working our asses off to making Beanstalk happen. So thank you guys for your time. Thank you guys for your interest. Uh, thank you for your questions, and we will continue to answer them as they come up, and we will all talk soon. Thank you, Publius. Thank you so much.